Why worship? And uh, just a review, we, this whole month we've talked about uh, worship. It's hard to believe this is the last Sunday of July. But uh, we've talked about worship this whole month. And uh, we've said this. I'll just review a couple of things. Everybody's going to worship something. It's in our DNA. It's what God put inside of man when he breathed it in him. You're going to worship something. Uh, you're going to either worship money, yourself, your family, your job, your business. You're going to worship something. And uh, some people think that um, when they worship God, that they are, it's all about us giving to God. But God said in his word when he met the woman at the, at the well, he says, God is not looking for worship. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for people to worship him. And uh, why? The two major reasons is this, is that whatever we worship, we are going to put our trust in that. If you worship money, your trust is going to be in your money. If you worship your, your business, your trust is going to be in your business. If you worship your family, your happiness and joy is just going to be in your family. Whatever you worship, that's what you're going to put your trust in. And then the second biggest reason God wants us to worship and he's looking for worshipers is because you become or you're drawn to what you worship. You become like that. So God wants us to worship him for our benefit, not his. It's for, his, it's for our benefit, not his. It causes us to trust him more. It causes us to believe in him more. It causes our faith level to go up more. And it also causes us to realize we are more like him. We are more like Him. Worship's all about our relationship with God. We can worship God in whatever we do throughout the day because the Bible says whatever you do, do is unto the Lord. So when you do your job, when you clean your house, when you do your cut your grass, whatever you're doing during the day, you do it as unto the Lord, and God calls that worship. He calls that worship. And so worship is a time that we take to turn our affection to Him. To Him. We turn our affection to God. 100%. And, uh, and I'll say this because praise and worship is never to draw attention to ourself. It's never to draw attention to ourself. If it is, our motive's not right. You know? It's to draw attention to God. We want our focus to be on God. So is worship necessary? Well, after saying those two things, it's absolutely necessary. It's necessary. And I, w I just want to bring this up because it could be a, like a downer or whatever. There's always, I wish I could say that when you start giving your life to God, you'll never uh, have any tragedies. You'll never have a crisis. You'll never have anything bad go wrong. I would be lying. As long as we're on this planet, this planet, is obviously not heaven. But at the same time, I believe no matter what crisis you're going through, you can go through it with victory. I said, I believe you can go through it through victory. As long as you're on this planet, you're going to have challenges. And when you have a crisis, this is something that I hope that will get inside our foundation and in our DNA, and that is... That is not a time to just fall apart. 
It's a time to turn our focus onto God and worshiping Him will help you through a crisis. David, there's so many stories in the Old Testament, but David is such a prime example of that. When something, I mean, his own army was going to kill him. Ziglag. They went out on a raid, and when they came back, all of their women, all of their children had been kidnapped. The town was burning. Everything was taken. And so here comes David and his band of of soldiers, and uh, so they just started focusing on David and said, this is your fault, and there was talk of killing him. What did David do? I mean, his wife's he had more than one, but his wife and, and children were taken as well, just like everybody else. So he was in the same crisis as them. But the Bible says he turned his focus upon God. He worshiped God. And that brought him out of the crisis to the point to where everybody band together as a family unit. And they went after the enemy. They recovered all. No child, no wife was lost. And not only did they get back their stuff, but they took their stuff of the enemy as well. That's a good day. But he could have fallen apart and said, what's the use? And we could be reading a different story where his men stoned him and killed him. But that's not what happened. That is not what happened. And so worship causes you to go from a position of defense to a place of offense. Psalms 43.5 says this. It says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet Praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Well, that's exactly what happened to David. He turned his focus upon, you know, I mean, he was like, I am so discouraged right now. I am so discouraged. So worship, it does so many things. But one thing it does, it helps deal with your pride and my pride. When people say, well, I just don't have an issue with pride. Nobody has an issue. I don't have an issue with eating ice cream. <laughs> Whatever you yield to, I don't, there's no problem with that. Let me try this side. I, whatever you yield to, you don't have a problem with that. So when I say I don't have a problem, people say, you have a problem with ice cream? No, I do not. I enjoy it and I eat it. I do not have a, pro- a problem with ice cream. So when we say we don't have a problem with pride, all of us have to deal with pride. And if we don't deal with it, then it can come, become a stumbling block to us. It can, it can start affecting our life. So worship helps us to deal with pride. I'll get back here where it's safe. <laughs> worship helps you and I to surrender. Surrender things that may not be God's will for our life. I know one thing, man. You know, I just, my whole perspective year after year has gotten better and greater with my relationship with God. When I was younger, I used to think, man, I don't want God to, I don't want to give my life to him because he's going to maybe cause me to to be a missionary in Africa. (laughs) I was. A missionary in Africa. But I thought, God's going to have me, I'm going to have to give up the good things of life. 
the good things of life. That's what I, that was my mentality. God wants you to be happier than what you want yourself to be happy. Are you hearing me? He wants you to be happy. John 10, 10. I didn't give you this scripture. I'll throw you a curveball. Amplified. They amplified. Can you pull up the amplified? It's, it really hits it good. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come. I came that they may have and enjoy life. Listen to these words now. Jesus came, not only that you can have, you know, when I was a Christian, uh, first gave my life to God when I was seven years old and throughout my teenage years, I thought Jesus just came to, you know, to, so I can forgive, all, get all of my sins be forgiven and then go to heaven and then just push through all hell here on earth. And deal with the hell here on earth and just, you know, suck it up the best I can. Hallelujah. But this is what he says. This is the word of God. It's not my opinion. They may have and enjoy life. Enjoy life. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Too much life. Too much joy, too much abundance, just he's a too much God. That's what he wants you and I to have. He wants you to have so much joy, enjoying life so much that it's just overwhelming to you. The Passion Translation of Psalms 43.5 says this, Then I will say to my soul, don't be discouraged, don't be disturbed, for I fully expect my Savior God to break through for me, then I'll have plenty of reasons to praise Him all over again. Yes, living before His face is my saving grace. Living before His face. What is He saying? He's talking about worship. David's talking about, man, that's my saving grace is worshiping God. That is my saving grace. It brought me out of when I thought the not only... Did the enemy come against me, take everything that I had, my wife, my children, all of my possessions, but now my own fellow soldiers want to stone me and kill me. He said, I only had God to turn to, and that was my saving grace. There's times when all of us, we only have God. There's a quote by a minister He says this. Let me see if I can find it here. I'm getting ahead of myself. I apologize. I don't want to get it wrong. But neither do I want to take 10 minutes to find it. He basically said this. It is a gift when the only thing you have is to turn to God. That's basically what he's saying. The doctors can't help you. Money can't help you. People can't help you. Nothing can help you. And if God doesn't help you, then you're finished. He said, this is a gift. And I read that and I went, really? When you have nobody else, nothing else, That can help you. 
It's just God. It's just God. There's times in our life when that probably is true. But how many times do we not turn to him? I'm just saying that God can help us. And if we could pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and say, I'm going to worship God right here and right now. You'll find out that you'll get strength. You'll find out that you'll get willpower. I don't know about you, but there's so many times in my life, I just feel like, man, I just don't have the willpower. Well, that's the time you turn to God. That is the time that you turn to God. And when we do that, like I said, I'm going to talk about two points. And the one that I've already mentioned is that worship puts you in a position of offense, not defense. Singing about his promises, declaring his promises, declaring things that are actually the opposite of what you're going through. Just like Abraham, he said, I believed in hope when there was no hope to believe in. I mean, if you're a 90-year-old man, your wife is well finished with a childbearing age, and God says you're going to have a child. There's no hope for that. But he believed in God. He believed in God. So worship causes you to go into a position of, Offense instead of defense. And uh, when I was taking notes on this last night, I felt like I needed to say this. There's no condemnation of watching TV or watching the news. But some of you all cannot handle the news. You can't handle the news. And I can tell you why. The majority of the time, you will disagree with what is being said in the news. I will amen you on that. I'm just telling you that I'm preaching so I won't get on my soapbox. But I will just slide this under there. It's mostly garbage what they say anyway. But anyway, and that is every news network. But this is what I'm just going to put a red light on your dashboard so you can see this. You may say, well, I disagree with this, and I don't like this and everything. But this is the problem. The media is controlling your conversation after the fact. What are you talking about? I just hate the news, and this is the news, and I just do this in the news. And, and did you hear what they And then you'll talk all day about what you disagree with what they said. Everybody still love the pastor. 50%. That's pretty good. It used to be 30, so we're getting up there. No, I'm teasing. I hope I'm teasing. But this is the problem. I just don't want you to be influenced by even the negative stuff that they're saying that you disagree with. This is going over a lot worse than what I was thinking when I wrote this down to say this. You know what I do? In the morning, I usually look at the headlines in the news on the Internet. 
And if I see stuff that, you know, basically, I just want to know if we went to World War III while I was asleep. That's true. I do. I just think, did somebody shoot off a nuclear bomb? I'd like to know about it. Of course, if they did, I probably wouldn't be able to pull anything up on the Internet. But anyway, that would be, (laughs) you see, but I do that. And that way, I don't, listen, let me just move on. Worship helps us to believe in God to a greater degree than what we thought we could. For Abraham to believe a hundred-year-old man can have a child, that's beyond him. It's beyond him. For you to supernaturally get out of debt is probably beyond yourself. It's beyond your means. It's beyond your paycheck. I'm talking to you now. But we, you can come to a place of worship where your faith will arise to a point to where you think, I believe I can get out of debt in spite of my paycheck. I believe I can get healed in spite of what the doctor said, that there's no hope. I believe there's hope for my marriage no matter what my spouse said. I believe. Now, I will back it up a little bit. You know, some people think, well, I'm going to, make my wife or make my husband come back to me. That's called witchcraft, by the way. Everybody has a free choice. So before you start doing something stupid, just know that everybody has a free choice. Amen. But based upon that, I feel like I need to say this. If you've been divorced, there's no condemnation. I'm going to say this. Even if you're the reason for the divorce. In other words, if you had an affair, don't raise your hand. But I mean, even if you, even if you had an affair and you're the reason for the divorce, you better not let the devil put you in condemnation because you won't be able to walk out the fulfillment God has for your life. He doesn't have a plan B for you, by the way. He still thinks you're the apple of his eye. He still loves you the same. And he still wants you to enjoy life to the full and be blessed upon all blessings. That a preach may ruffle feathers of... um, I just remember years ago when we were in the old building, uh, a couple, they... they, um, one of them had an affair, and so he got mad and everything. Of course, the marriage split up and everything. And he said, well, I know one thing. God will never bless them. And I looked at him, and I said, you're wrong. He didn't like that. It's because God is not looking through the eyes and lens of retribution and judgment. He is looking through the lens of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I better say amen to that because, honey, you may think, oh, I didn't do that bad, I didn't do that bad. The standard is no bad at all. And everybody falls short of that. And if you fall short of that, then you're just, the Bible says, if you sin in one part, you break it all. So I'm thankful that Jesus looks through and God looks through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ when they see me 
because they don't see my shortcomings, insecurities, my sin or anything else. And so if somebody has an affair or whatever, the people go, oh, they're going to split hell wide open. Well, if that's the case, we're right. Stand in line, honey. Stand in line because we all will. But it's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that causes me to be forgiven, to be set free, and to be loved by God in spite of myself and in spite of you. Woo! That'll set you free. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. Next, the devil took him to speak. This is when Jesus was in his... um, testing of the devil, the temptation of the devil, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Satan said, I'll give it all to you. He said, if you kneel down and worship me. Jesus said, get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. He says this, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. If you look at that, then you should be able to go into the Old Testament and find that scripture. Would everybody agree with that? If Jesus says, the word says, then we should be able to find that in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. You agree with that? You tracking with me? There is. But this is a problem. Deuteronomy 6.13 is the only place where that scripture is listed. But this is what Deuteronomy 6.13 says. Are you ready for this? You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. Jesus says, for the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So Jesus transfers fear with worship. Why? Because the old covenant mentality is to be afraid of God, even though that was not his will, but that's their interpretation. Jesus sits there and he says, I just want to clear this up. I don't want you to be afraid of me. I want you to worship me, to worship God. So many people around the planet today are so afraid of God. And God says, no, 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 no. This is what the scripture says. And this is what it means. is to worship the Lord your God and serve him. So God is taking fear out of the equation and saying, anytime you see the word fear, when it's talking about God, you just transfer and put the word worship in there. Woo! That's good news. Because when I was growing up, I was afraid of God. Afraid of him getting me? God's going to get you. And parents would even say that. God's going to get you. God's going to get you. I mean, you hear that as a kid and you think, holy cow. So if I do something wrong, you know. Did you hear that funny story? This little bitty, you know, nine-year-old girl was running. And she says, oh, Jesus, help me. Help me to catch the bus. Help me to catch the bus. And she's running as fast as she can. And she just falls and just tumbles over. And she says, you don't have to push me. But that's what, that's what people think. They think anything negative or bad happens, it's, it's him. It's him doing it. You know, you didn't, don't push me. I'll, I'll make it. Just don't push me. I can't go any faster. Not being afraid of God. 
Psalms 34, 7. The angel of the Lord stooped down to listen as I prayed, encircling me, empowering me, and showing me how to escape. Man, that should be a refrigerator scripture. He said the Lord stooped down to listen as I prayed. He encircled me. He empowered me, and he's showing me how to escape. He will do this for everyone who fears God, who worships God. Verse 8, dink, drink, dink. That is drinking deeply, dink. I want you all to dink right now. Drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Experience for yourself the joyous mercies he gives to all who turn to hide themselves in him. Worship in all and wonder, all you who've, made, who've been made holy. Have you been made holy today? I said, have you been made holy today? You should say that with confidence. Yes, you have. Worship in all and wonder, all who have been made holy, for all who fear or worship him will feast with plenty. Even the strong and wealthy will grow weak and hungry, but those who passionately pursue the Lord will never lack any good thing. This whole passage is talking about worship. He's sitting there and saying all who is just going to worship God, they're they're not going to lack. They're going to have plenty, not because they're better off than those who don't. It's because those who do see themselves in Christ with the abundance that he has provided. Are you hearing me? So worship helps us even when we don't even know that we need something. It's kind of like eating. You know, when I eat a green salad that's got spinach in it, when the spinach goes down and gets past my taste buds, which sometimes is a good thing, but it gets into my digestive system, my, my brain, my body, and my emotions and feelings don't go, mmm, vitamin K. I just, it just does something for me. If I went out to eat with somebody who talked like that, I'd get up and walk out, pay the check, and I'm out of there. But, I mean, you, you don't. You don't know that. But when I eat it, I just, you know, enjoy the food. But my body doesn't think, oh, I got some vitamin C. It's working right now. <laughs> it's just working. Honey, you're just weird. But, I mean, that's happening. That's ha- and there are some weird people. Bless their little hearts. But, anyway... That's happening. That is every time you eat, there's things that are being taken out of the food. (laughs) Oh, if you can only see some of your faces. And and it helps your body, and your body doesn't even know it. I mean, your brain doesn't even know it, but your body is getting help. Isn't that neat? Aren't you glad you don't have to say, okay, I'm going to get my vitamin K working out right now. I'm going to get my vitamin C. Vitamin B. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I feel it. Whew. No, it just does it automatically. It does it without any effort from you. Worship does that. You start worshiping God, and things are happening that you don't know anything about and without any effort at all from you. I can prove it. I can prove it. Worship doesn't say there is no problem, but it denies letting the problem influence into your life. 
That's the second, the second one. The first one was worship causes you to go from a position of offense instead of defense. And then worship helps you not to let the thing, the crisis that you're going through, the problem, have influence into your life. It's still there, but you know what? I'm not influenced by it. I'm not influenced by it. It helps us to focus and manifest the manifestation that God wants you and I to have, his joy, his peace, his blessings, his promises. Isaiah 61.3 says this, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. This is what God is saying. Jesus came for this purpose, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So worship just helps us to enter into that. It does. I mean, how can you, something is totally destroyed and burned up. You say, okay, my life is finished. It's just what happened, just what I went through. It's totally been burned up. There's nothing but a pile of ashes. If it's your marriage, if it's your job, if it's you went through a divorce, you, you got fired from your job, everything got repossessed, you lost it all. I mean, you just look at your life and say, now there's my pile of ashes. But this is what God says to people who look to him, who have nothing but ashes. The whole world would say, there's nothing there, there's no hope. But God says, I'm so glad he put this in the word. He says, see that pile of ashes? I can make something beauty out of that. I can take it and form something that will be beautiful to your life. Man, that is so good. That is good news. And then for for mourning, he says, I've got a recipe for that. The oil of joy. I'm going to pour in some oil of joy for all of your your discouragement, for all of what you have been through, the problems that you've been through, the tragedies you've been through, all of the discouragement, all of the depression, everything. He says, I'm just going to take that. I'm not, this is what I'm going to do for you, Mike. I'm going to pour in some oil, and it's just going to take that, what's in there, and just flush it out. You'll have nothing but the joy of the Lord. This is what he says is available for you and me. Not only available, but it's in us. The oil for mourning. Then he goes, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I don't know all about the depression and people who go through that. I I, I don't. I don't understand it. I know there's... Uh, chemical imbalances. I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to be a doctor. I'm not trying to belittle that. But I do know what the Bible says that for people who are going through any kind of depression, no matter what degree it is, there's a garment in your closet. There is a garment in your closet that you can put on. You have to put it on, though. It's in your closet. Inside you, there's a, you've got a closet. There's a robe of righteousness that you can always make sure that you have on. But there's also a garment of praise that you can pull that out and go, all right, Mr. Devil, I'm putting this on. 
thank you, God, that I'm still on this planet, that I'm still kicking, that I'm still breathing. I thank you that my destination is heaven bound. I thank you that I have been made the head and not the tail. I thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I thank you my financial situation is not dependent upon what I see. It's dependent upon what he has done for me, that all of my needs have been met according to his riches and glory. Man, you just start praising and thanking God, and when that time's done, you go, woo! Where are you, devil? I mean, where did he go? Where did he go? A garment of, of praise that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Jesus accomplished all of this for us. Praising and worshiping God helps you and I to put on better lens, better glasses. The provision has been made. But you know what? The choice is ours. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 says this. He says, I put before you this day death and life, blessing and cursing. Choose life, for both you and descendants may live. It's a choice. It is a choice. Well, through worship, we're reminded that God is bigger than the situation that you may be going through. Seven times a day, I, I praise you, David said in Psalms 119, 164. Seven times a day, I praise you. In the Old Testament, there's, so, there's many stories that when they would go out to battle, that they would put the singers and the worshipers out front. How would you like to be like that? you got your mighty guys with swords and the armor and your armor bearer and everybody, and then you got your guys in flutes and harps and guitars. Probably where country music came from. But anyway, they because they, they, they thought they were going to die. But anyway, they, I like country music too. Don't get offended or whatever you get. But anyway, can you imagine? All right, I want the worshipers to go out in front. <laughs> Those guys were, woo. You're going to go out in front and you're going to face the enemy first. That just doesn't seem, I'm pretty sure General Schwarzkopf or any major general in history would go, okay, this is what we're going to do, guys. The tanks, the aircraft, everybody, you all stay back. We're going to get the singers out in front. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Press conference. CNN, Fox, ABC, CBS. Did he just say? Yeah, he did. He said people are going to go out and sing before the enemy. This is the way God did it. Let me read it to you. I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures to you. This is God. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? Let me just give you a little bit of background. The whole, they had so many kings coming against Israel. There is no way for them to even think that one person would be alive after this war. They're going to die. All of Israel will be wiped out. This is what he says. For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah and their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of 
Mattanai, I mean, he's just the son of everybody, wasn't he? A Levite of the sons of Asaph in, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's. Now, Jehoshaphat just listened to this and he just thinks, wow, because he says, you know what? There's nothing for us to do. We can't do anything. So our eyes are upon you. Verse 16, the prophet said, tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. I bet you everybody said, hallelujah. (laughs) You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Listen to me. This is what worship does. It positions you. Listen to me. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That's what worship does. It puts you in a position that you can see God work in your life. O oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear. Did I skip? Yeah, position yourself and see the Lord. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Worshiping the Lord. You get the picture? Then the Levites of the children of the Korathites and all the children of the Korathites Heights stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Now listen, they just got the news that God's going to fight this battle for them. But nothing has been done yet. The enemy's still out there, but they're praising and worshiping God in the midst of all of that. You following? All right. Where are we at? Uh, verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekel. To kill. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe the prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, who should praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the army, before the army, and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. So they went out front and they go, okay, you're just going to sing and shout into God. Just sing that praise God. His mercy endures forever. Verse 22. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. The enemy started killing one another. There were no drugs involved. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. Verse 25, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found a spoil now. 
They found among them an abundance of valuables on their dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. I don't know about you, but who goes to war with, hey, let's take all of our jewelry. <laughs> hey, honey, don't forget that chest of diamonds we got and, and the gold. Let's make sure we bring that. I mean, that was God. I mean, who does that? No, leave the rifle. Let's just make sure we take our jewelry. I'm saying God had this planned out from the beginning. Three days, ladies and gentlemen. Three days. Three days working all day, all night, taking stuff and taking it back home. Taking stuff, taking it back home. Taking stuff, taking it back home. You getting the picture? Okay. This is what he says. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Baraka until this day. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem, with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. Real quick, some examples of how they worshiped in the Old Testament. Kneeling, clapping hands, raising hands, verbalized praise, singing hymns and psalms, weeping, laughing, bearing witness, shouting amen, reading the word aloud, prostrating before the Lord, speaking in tongues, dancing before the Lord, giving public testimony, standing, silence, and spiritual song. All of those from Genesis to Revelation are examples of how people praise God. We're not here to give you a formula. We're just here to to encourage you to do it. God is looking for worshipers. He's looking for people to worship him. So that your life and my life can be changed. So that you and me can have victory in the presence of our enemies. The presence of financial difficulty and the presence of physical ailments and the presence of depression. And, and no matter what you're facing, the crisis that you and I will face in the future, God is trying to get us to say, don't just sit there and cry and just have self-pity. This is a time to pull yourself up. And listen, this is why we need to help others. Just put some worship music on. That's what I do. There's sometimes I just don't feel like I can lift up my voice. There's sometimes that, man, I just feel like, man, I just don't have a voice to lift up right now. And you know what you do? You turn on some worship music and you just bask or bask. Which one is it? Bask? You just sit there in the presence. You just sit there and just soak it in and just say, God, I just love you. I just love you, God. Let the worship man, man, sometimes, man, you ought to go in my wife's car. She can put any headbanger to, to shame, man. <laughs> anyway, she's just worshiping God. Her car worships God with her. But anyway, uh, you, you just get into that presence. Vibration just makes the devil run, I guess. I don't know. But uh, you just start worshiping him. And all of a sudden, that tragedy, that crisis, is not as big. 
Amen? God, praise God. Let's stand. This is hopefully the last, I've been instructed to go over every Sunday for the month of July because of um, the children's church. So don't think that, you know, Pastor, you just keep doing this. Okay, I just did what I was told. I did it. So there, you can take that up with somebody. Next week, I'll do my best to be done by 11, all right? Did you enjoy this series, though? I think it's, it benefited our church. I really do. I believe it benefits us to know about worship. If you missed one of the Sundays, you can go back online and watch it. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I just believe in Jesus' name. Thank you for your goodness. I just pray that we will continually have revelation about worship so that we can have more victory in our life, so we can get a better perspective of what you want done in our life. I pray that for our church and the people who are watching online. I just believe in Jesus' name that lives are being changed, transformed, and that when the enemy thinks that he has us right where he wants us up against the wall or up against the river, that, Father, I thank you that we can turn to you and worship you and the wall comes down, the river opens up and we walk across on dry ground because of your goodness. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.